Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt Harmon and joining me today is the great Dalton Del Don. Dalton, we're on a bit of a roll here pod-wise. You know, we've been doing this one a couple times together. I know we're doing next Tuesday's episode as well. We did a boxed-in episode as well. I love, I mean, look, nothing is good about the situation right now. Uh, But at least I love that I'm seeing your face more digitally through this whole thing. For sure. I'm looking forward to it as well. Although I am upset, uh, I'm sitting here with way overdue for a haircut. And you clearly have not joined in solidarity, not going to snap back with me again. What, what happened here, Matt? You look good, but what happened? Thank, thank you. I appreciate it. I was going to ask you what's uh, new with quarantine life for you to lead into what's new for a quarantine <laughs> life for me. Uh, <laughs> I finally, after what I would say was some painstaking negotiations, convinced the girlfriend to give me an at-home haircut, which she has never done ever. And also the only thing, I mean, we don't have like clippers laying around here. The only thing we have, because I also like a, no better word, like a dumbass, tried to cut my own dog's hair a couple, like a a while ago, because he's well overdue for it. That went as poorly as expected. So I was like, I was like, babe, just take the pet clippers and I just need you to buzz the sides. That's it. Don't, you don't have to touch, you don't have to touch the top. No big deal there. But just just the sides, because I was starting to look little a little bit gross. Uh, I usually get my sides buzzed like every like three weeks, so I'm I'm well overdue. Uh, and I got to tell you, man, I mean it's 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 not. She did a great job. It's obviously like you know she's not she's no salon quality uh, cutter, but she did a great job. I feel much better. No bald spots, nothing like that. Not, I mean, other than you know maybe where I'm actually going bald. Hard to say. We won't talk about that. Uh, but yeah, she did it. She did an awesome job. She killed it for for her first time. And I'll tell you too, it's like a nice little bit of normalcy, actually looking like myself uh, for once. For sure. Not only does it look great, but it's do it yourself. But also pet clippers. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I'm gonna have to talk to to my wife and uh, get some help myself. But yeah, no, well done. Tell her, tell her, well done for sure. Um, all right, let's dive into some fantasy football content uh, because there's obviously so much to discuss right now. But first, there's really not much to discuss right now. But first, Dalton, let's let's talk about the pressing issue in your life. Um, people don't like your best ball uh, draft that we did a, a little while ago. Actually, I don't know if this is your most pressing issue or if it's uh, the Brady article, the responses you've gotten to that. I know we're going to do a little rankings debate, and you said I could call you literally anything because you've been called everything already based on this Brady article. But let's talk about the best ball draft. Um, we Actually, not only do people not like your draft, I was the second least favored draft result in this. But I'm going to give you a chance to respond because only 4% of people thought you had the best draft. What's up with that, man? Yeah, I thought people were down on me enough after my uh, Brady disparaging article, calling me all kinds of names, very personal on uh, social media. But uh, then we do this best ball and uh, the draft results are just pretty funny because not only is it just me 
among 12 or 10 participants. It's just four others, Liz, you, P now, and Barron's. And I got 4%. I mean, 4% of just a five-person poll. I mean, that might've just been on accident. You know, a couple family members, I think, as Barron's <laughs> pointed out. I mean, that's just really funny. So I thought that was hilarious. Uh, 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 Jason Klobacha wanted us to, wanted me to write about my young team. I went really, really young. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's okay, whatever. I think it'd be more interesting and funnier if I wrote about how the public just absolutely hates my draft. And especially since... Honestly, um, I feel like, you know, the worst uh, worst thing to happen to you uh, fellow uh, fantasy participants in leagues of mine is baseball being canceled because I've taken football far more seriously than I have <laughs> this time of year usually. So I stand by these rankings. And this wasn't me just half-assing this or joking. Four of my top 20 players on my overall board are on this team. I think I'm loaded. So I responded by writing an article saying, this is why everyone is not just wrong, but I should be considered the clear favorite in this draft. So anyway, it was fun to do. Yeah, I know that you've had uh, you kind of appear to have like a very different draft strategy this year. You know, it's it seems it seems like you definitely want to you're you're skewing younger, which I think makes a lot of sense. I know I haven't read it yet, but I know Scott Barrett of the new site FantasyPoints.com put out an article about you know how essentially. I, again, I haven't read it yet, but it's essentially the premise is like upside is what's going to win you a league, and without again. I haven't read it yet. I should probably not even say anything about it, but whatever. But I, I would imagine that part of that is taking these players that are usually going to skew younger, you know, uncertain roles there. Uh, and they could clearly, if they win these jobs, you know, Anthony, uh, Gibson who, from Washington that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That's a perfect example of like an upside pick that he might be a stone zero, but uh, he might also be a potential guy that finishes inside the top 15 backs just because of the role, if he just if he slides into a perfect situation as a pass catching back on a bad team, I feel like that makes a lot of sense in terms of a path to tangible upside. Yes, that is a good good article and a series by Scott Barrett. Uh, recommend it. This has honestly been the way I've been drafting my whole fantasy career. Uh, I remember back in the day I took Larry Johnson in round three when he was a backup behind Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes was the number one pick in fantasy drafts that year. And mm -hmm. I was taking Larry Johnson late round three. People were mocking it, making fun of it. He was a monster, you know, the number one pick the next couple years after. Believe me, I've gotten plenty of picks wrong. But my point is, since then, I've been like going after the upside with, with a lot of floor. I mean, that could have been a zero third round pick very easily. But I remember the guy who went right afterward who made fun of me took J.J. Arrington out of Cal on the Cardinals. And I mean, that was Whoops. floor was even lower. It was, it was below whatever zero is. He found it. But um, anyway, so I've always dropped, yes, Jonathan Taylor in round three. I mean, maybe on paper, it certainly doesn't look as secure as others, but that's just what my draft is. Latavius Murray in round 11. I mean, what if Kamara goes down in that system? I mean, that's a league, league winning pick. I know people make fun of that term, but those are the guys that I go after. And typically I just find in the market, um, the, the market does not like players that have not done it before. They like, they've seen it. So I guess it just typically for me skews with, with the rookies in that area. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I hate the phrase like ha hasn't done it before. I mean, remember when uh, Zeke was the fourth overall pick in the draft and everybody's like, this is a clear locked in first round fantasy pick. And the argument, like literally the only argument against it is he's never played it down in the NFL. Well, right. week one, he's going to play it down in the NFL and he's probably going to be uh, one of the best backs in fantasy, which is exactly what happens. So pretty stupid. One other thing I, I noticed from your um, from your draft too and i don't know if this is just on purpose or if this is just by circumstance you have a few guys from the same offense and i remember one of the um one of the first discussions you and i ever had on camera dalton when i first got started at yahoo was we talked about like 
and maybe you don't remember this, but I remember this because I really treasure uh, all of our memories <laughs> together. <laughs> but but of course, I, I remember, forget, of course. yeah, I remember us talking about like, is it smart to draft guys on the same offense? And I think both of our logic was, you know, because some people don't like to load up on too many Packers or don't like to load up on too many Saints. But I th- remember our logic being at the time, well, you probably don't want to draft two Bills, right? Uh, because they might not be a good offense at all. Back at this point, they didn't have Stefan Diggs, John Brown wasn't popping, whatever. But if they're cheap, number one, who cares? Because they're cheap. Number two, if they're on good offenses, then it doesn't matter as much. And I notice in this, you have two Colts players, you've got two Rams players, you've got two, um, I believe you've got two Lions players even. Obviously, you said uh, you have the Saints uh, running back duo there, but you have a couple of Ravens players as well. And so is that like, again, was that on purpose or was that more just circumstance? It was just the guy you liked there. It's just circumstance. So on DFS, I will stack and I will definitely uh, play, pay attention to that. But this was just a uh, totally, totally random. But it is one thing I will point out that I don't care about that. I don't like I would never avoid it or something at all. I don't care if it and especially if you are targeting offenses like the Rams and the Colts, which I do like for all the faults Goff has. I do expect them to put up points in that division. So this was not a purposeful thing, but it's definitely something I don't shy away from, basically, is my answer there. One other thing I would say about my strategy this year that's not just young, and this is hardly anything totally new, but um, I take, I'm taking going running backs early extreme. Even in the high-money NFFC leagues I've been in, I've gone four straight backs, and you can only start three. I know that sounds weird to people, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm really going to start that. Basically, in more and more drafts this year, I'm going to draft my bench player in round four. I think wide receiver and even tight end is so crazy loaded and there's these gigantic tiers in the middle can't wait to talk wide receivers with you next week yeah. uh for sure of all the film you've been looking but so gigantic and so disparate so many people's uh you know subjective rankings there that that's the, the those are the, the rounds in the middle rounds attack the receivers and, and tight ends and i'm already gonna have four backs in my roster yeah that makes sense and i think there's a couple of different ways that you can, i know we're going to talk about receivers next week but i agree with you i've been I'm usually a wide receiver early drafter. I usually like to get one stud running back and then go hammer receiver there because I like having a lot of the top level guys because I can lock in target shares, you know, whatever. But on one hand, we're kind of seeing the, you know, 180 target receiver. Like remember when Antonio Brown and Julio Jones both had like 180 and 200 targets apiece, I think back in 2015, like we're not seeing that type of stuff anymore uh, because the position is so freaking loaded and that speaks to your like every time well again we'll talk about receivers next week but every time i think that you come up you know in rounds 6 to 9 you're going to be kicking yourself because other people are going to be taking your favorite breakout guys when you already locked but which is great like you locked in uh Adam Thielen and Chris Godwin or you locked in Devonte Adams and Kenny Galladay in the first two to three rounds or whatever. That's cool. But yeah, you're going to be kicking. I agree with you. You're going to be kicking yourself if some of these wide receiver sleepers that you like are coming off later. Not only is it loaded uh, with depth, but at the top after Thomas and Adams, I mean, Hopkins is switching teams. Julio Jones, wrong side at 30, maybe in signs of decline. And then to me, after those five, I really think it gets subjective. Like the number six yeah. I see, Chris Godwin, I mean, I'm nowhere near number six on my board. So it gets really different. So so yes, and you get, yeah, where are the monsters? There's no top five of the guys getting 180 targets. So that's gone as well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll probably bring this up next week too, but some of the research that I think some people have done 
in projecting for this very strange 2020 season without much of an off season, all that is to look back at the lockout year in 2011. And, you know, this might just totally not be true, but in that lockout season, there was a passing boom. Like that was when Matthew Stafford popped up on the scene with his like 5,000 yard insane passing season, passing yardage statistics in general just went crazy that year because probably because like defenses can't prepare, you know, who knows, whatever. But and I wonder if we see – you can kind of make the argument then both ways. Maybe we see top-level receivers pop back up again with 180 targets or we see these big passing booms start to boost up the wide receiver 35s to bigger numbers than usual. And I will point out that might be very dumb of me getting Jonathan Taylor, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, and um, Joe Burrow in this draft. The rookies with the shortened seasons, definitely a gamble. I am – Definitely more of the mindset that hopefully running back's an easier position and Burrow looks like a special talent. I'm not really you know too excited about, well, CeeDee Lamb, I definitely talked myself into, ranked him <laughs> obscenely high. But other than him, I'm staying away from the receivers. But an added unknown factor or you know lower floor of these Dalton guys is this shortened, weird pre, uh, you know preseason. So it's a good point. If it becomes pass-heavy, me getting all these rookie backs is not the greatest year to be doing that. Well, like I said, I, I think that passing, I mean, running backs typically transition quicker. So, uh, and let's talk, let's talk more about some running backs right now. We've had a couple of, um, you know, a couple of little news items leaking out there. It's so weird this time of year. I feel, I don't know if you feel the same way, Dalton, but part of me is like, we're doing the exact same thing we would normally be doing this time of year. Uh, number one, we're just all doing it inside. Uh, and also, but like, you know, we're, we're projecting for the season. We're trying to sort out depth charts. We're trying to decide who our breakout picks are going to be. The only thing is we're just not getting what I feel like is more of a steady flow of news, but this is a lighter time anyway. So we can discuss some of these little coach speak things. And one, I think this isn't coach speak, but it is classic off season stuff. Uh, well, I'm not a 49ers fan anymore. You still are. Uh, I'm no longer a lifelong 49ers fan, uh, because I'm, I'm a free agent, I guess. Although what is the the plan for this year? Man, your guess. Well, yeah, is I good guess as... it's a good question for in general. But as far as your, your teams, yeah, it's it's, it's free I, agent. Back to free agency. I, back to free agency. I might just you know continuity is the theme of everybody's like twenty twenty projections. Uh, so maybe I'll just uh, maybe I'll I'll stick continuity and just go back to what I know and go back to the 49ers again. We'll see. No. I haven't given it a lot of thought to be honest. Okay. A lot of, a lot of a lot of things going on in my mind sure. beyond sure. what team I'm going to be a fan of this year. Uh, but let's talk about the 49ers because. Uh, their backfield, it seems like fantasy drafters are are taking it with a lot of certainty. I know your rankings, I think, look at it with a lot of certainty. But who's to say how this is really going to shake out? But one thing we do know for sure, uh, supposed RB1 Raheem Mostert is in, wait for it, the best shape of his life. He's bulking up so that he can handle 200-plus carries this season. Dalton, how do you view this backfield right now? All right, so I'm the weirdo, the high man on Mostert, uh, probably in all of fantasy pros. I have him as like my 15th uh, back in half, 16th back in half PPR. Um, And I get the cons here and why that sounds crazy. He's 28 years old. He's never started an NFL game in his career. Only has like 350 carries since high school. Um, But I will counter it with you with this. First of all, after the top 10 backs, they all have question marks. Secondly, he finished number one in rushing DVOA last year. Tevin Coleman finished third from last. Final eight games, Mostert had 792 yards, 12 touchdowns. He was sick during that Vikings game. Um, That was only during like with 120 rushes too. So I get the volumes of concern, 
But um, he gets the red zone carries. He played wide receiver in college. And I mean, mm-hmm. he's graded highly as a receiver. Literally, his position was wide receiver. So I don't see why he can't get more targets. Brita freed up 150 touches. Um, I love McKinnon. I'm rooting for him. But I mean, he had two knee surgeries. And if your worry is Jarek McKinnon, I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, every roster has three running backs in the entire NFL. I can name three running backs on every single roster, um, but most of them aren't recovering from back-to-back knee surgeries. But anyway, to me, it's weird that a back with his skills, crazy fast, in a Shanahan system that just added Trent Williams coming off the Super Bowl in that division with those defenses isn't regarded higher. Yeah, it like it makes sense. I think they're so many possible outcomes where we could look back at this year and and like, man, I mean, how are we not all just like totally locked and loaded on Raheem Mostert as a top 15 back? Because like the peripherals, like you said, make a ton of sense. I mean, he was number one. He was really damn good last year. And I I think you, you pointed that out with DVOA, everything like that. And, you know, also this is the type of team where you want your running back attached to. Number one, you know they're going to throw the ball to the running back. Number two, you know they're going to run successfully. And number three, this is just a good – it's a good overall offense. And even if the defense regresses a little bit because defensive statistics regress every single year, they're not going to become like the 20th best defense. They're going to be in game scripts where they run the ball a lot and this is a proven running system. I think it's just – Maybe it's just the – do you think it's just like the general narrative of Shanahan systems like constantly turning through backs and everything that maybe is keeping his price down? It's possible. And I get that Tevin Coleman could get out there and start and it's annoying and, and you'd want the volume and without the passes. I, I totally understand. But again, the final eight games, he scored 12 touchdowns. So even if that regresses – and I do like Jimmy G to throw the ball more. But love the offense. I expect a lot of points to be scored fast-paced. I mean, Arizona, Seattle, the Rams defense is going the wrong way. I just really expect yeah. a lot of high scores. And man, Mostert is just – again, one was the best graded running back in DVOA. And Coleman was nearly the worst. Peyton Barber's numbers are hilariously bad. But if you don't count him, I mean, he's nearly <laughs> the, the worst. And I get it. Uh, Shanahan likes Coleman, and we can't make these decisions for the coaches. But if Mostert really is working like crazy in the offseason and he's up to 200 pounds, his BMI was like zero coming out of college. If you look at his player profile page, that was a long time ago, and he's up now. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe he'll break down and they don't throw him the ball. But uh, uh, a feature back with those skills in that offense – I mean, the upside is 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 huge. I mean, it's first round fantasy value there, and he's what like his ADP is like mid late twenties among running backs. I, yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah, I hear you on that. It, it makes a lot of sense. Like again, just just taking the situ like take Shanahan out of it in the way that there's the unpredictability. I, I think it's it's a really good strong, especially look too, Dalton. Like if you're if people are going to employ your strategy, which is to take a lot of running backs early, one of the like odds are one or two of these guys is going to flame out. Uh, yes. if Gar- he must almost and- certainly, yes, yeah. I will miss on one of my four. I will almost guarantee it. As, as great as my prognostication, I will absolutely miss on one. Most, <laughs> most more often, and that's why I like most is my fourth. Often, you look at the ADP, he's the guy that I am grabbing in that fourth or fifth round. So, so all, yeah, all ceiling, all ceiling and little risk, you know, roster construction wise. Let's jump around to another NFC West team that also has a very confusing backfield. And I've been, I've been kind of like watching the market on this one or or watching people's opinions on Twitter on this one because it seems like several people that I really respect are all in on Cam Akers but uh the Rams rookie running back but I've been kind of you know I've been kind of hesitant on that and coach Sean McVay said uh this past week we feel we've got three really good backs and what we wanted to do is get a group that we felt really good about that that enables us to say we're not necessarily committed to any approach it's a feel for the flow of the game 
Cool. That's what we all want to hear uh, in terms of predictable fantasy value. Do you think this is coach speak or should we be worrying about a, a committee approach with Akers, Daryl Henderson, who I really liked last year? And of course, still everybody's favorite, Malcolm Brown. A ton of question marks here. First off, um, I'm not a big college guy, so I rely on the Graham Barfields and the yards created and all that. Apparently, you know, his offensive line was historically bad. Um, So he's used to that from the Rams. Um, Rams are so interesting. Uh, I'm out on Todd Gurley, and I really do think his knee's going to be a problem. You look at the Atlanta, what they're saying, but same time you look at Christopher Harris, the video I've linked to a couple times, he points out how bad the offensive line was last year with the Rams. I mean, that was obviously a problem, but the year before that, it was like McVay. He would create the mismatches. It was all about him, not the actual players. So now they're going to mix a, a little mixture of both with 11 and 12 personnel. I'm curious your opinion on what they're going to do with that moving forward. So uh, my general thinking here is that Daryl Henderson, I was wrong about last year. Uh, he just looked flat out bad. And the Rams, I believe, even traded up for Akers when they need a ton of other positions on this team. And as I've said, I really like the shootouts in this division. So I personally uh, ranked him aggressively as like my number 19th back. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's interesting that this team spent two back-to-back day two picks on running backs. I mean, generally, I don't love that approach to team building, Um, but I think you could take it in a couple different directions, which is number one, does this team just really truly believe in this committee approach? And that's an, an interesting, you know, total pivot from what they were with Todd Gurley. Like there was nobody that played played more than like maybe not played well but the last two years like Todd Gurley's on the field all the time in terms of snap rate and everything like that and does this become more of a change for McVay where he does become more of this committee approach because we have again we haven't seen that so far in his play calling career also does this just mean yeah that they're willing to kind of just wash their hands of Henderson after one year again who I really liked coming out of the draft last year or is it super hard to pick up McVay's system right away? And I should be wary of that for Akers. And now maybe Henderson picked it up. But I think the Memphis situation there is a little different. And they've called Akers a three down back. So I, I really, uh, I think, you know, he can get the receptions. And even with a, you know, a, a messed up girly knee, he's still gotten a lot of touchdowns last year. I st- yeah. And the poor offensive lines, he was still plenty valuable fantasy just because of this situation. So I think, yeah, the Rams are in a weird, you know, weird with the cap with, with Goff and Brandon Cooks and all the way they're spending. But I still still think i believe mcveigh uh will put up points and and therefore i think the fact that they traded up in acres and the fact that henderson might just be a total total bum i, I see the upside there yeah i i want to keep like a small small uh candle lit for henderson because yeah. i do still like the talent and, and he's probably going to be the cheaper of the two and oh, yeah. a lot of times a lot of times of in these situations i just think to myself okay totally. Let me just take let me just take the cheaper of the two backs, you know. Like let me let me just let me just rock with it like that. That doesn't always work out that way. Just just to be clear, but I think the good, you can pick out two good signals from the from the last year's edition of the Rams, which is number one, like you said, they were still a pretty good rushing team production wise. At least Gurley put up a lot of touchdowns, everything like that. And I thought that they became a pretty good run team in the second half of the year when they did go to more power, when they did go to, you know, more 12 personnel, which I expect them to to continue playing that type of football. And for that reason, this is a good ecosystem that we want to buy into. Yeah. So he likes Everett and obviously Higby went crazy. So it makes sense. They have the two tight ends and no cooks. Um, I know they trade up for the wide receiver, um, but not big, big believer in Reynolds. So do you think Cup 
can, can be just as effective from the outside. Let's save that for okay, the, right, the right, show right, next week. Because I got, tease, I got a, a lot of thoughts and right, a lot okay, of concerns right, okay. about fair, that. Fair, fair. And fair. just to wrap up this discussion on the Rams backfield, let's uh, let oh, we didn't talk about Malcolm Brown very much because he's probably like he's probably not the answer. You know, he's not the guy that's going to emerge as the Rams RB one. If somebody becomes, like you said, the dreaded quote unquote league winner phrase, it's going to either be acres and to a lesser degree, maybe Henderson, but I guarantee you that Brown is going to be the thorn in whichever side that becomes, you know, that's going to be a situation where he does get goal line touches and everything like that. So just worth mentioning him as well. So that you can waste a, uh, 20th round best ball pick on him or whatever no question as a frustrated Henderson owner last year yeah I know watching Brown was the guy to the, the replacement to have there for sure yeah totally terrific all right uh last little thing we're going to do here Dalton is we're going to have a little rankings showdown like we mentioned and by that I mean I'm going to mostly ask you about your rankings because I will say it on the show I've said it before and I, I will say it to my boss and to you and to Ragu, the podcast producer, I don't care about my rankings all that much. <laughs> so, but you do, and you're smarter than me. So I'm going to at least pick your brain about yours, especially about these running back and tight ends rankings. That's what we're going to discuss today. Then next week, we're going to talk quarterbacks, wide receivers. We're going to go full passing game next week. It'll be a lot of fun. But Dalton, just, I want to ask you generally, what's your process in terms of ranking players? Do you do a ton of projections or, or is that something you do later in the summer or these early rankings in June, kind of what goes or almost June, what goes into that? All right. So I actually think doing projections for football can hurt you. And I'll tell that to my, mm. my other podcast partner, Chris list doesn't for Rotowire. And the, I think they should be at least considered separately than how you would draft. And I rank how you would draft. And those are two, okay. two totally separate things than projections those are two. I, that's at least my philosophy. And um, no, I don't think that some of these rookies I have, I, I do think their median, you know, is definitely going to be lower than some of these other, you know, the David Johnsons. But I'm after the upside uh, guys and I'm after uh, the people with the higher ceilings. So if that makes sense, so I'm not really the projection worried about every volume. Uh, you won't find the you'll find the Leonard Fournette's and, and David Johnson's lower on my rankings. That's interesting. I started doing projections. I think it was my last year at NFL. So that was 2017, I think. And I actually thought it was a very helpful exercise for me. And I think it's kind of a case by case situation because I need something to, to sober me, especially on players like wide receivers that I'm really high on. You know, I can sit here and tell you, like, I love Deontay Johnson. Uh, I, I might go out and be tempted to rank him super freaking high, but, you know, doing projections is is an exercise that I think, okay, I, I actually have to sparse out the targets here, and there's still Juju who's going to lead the team in targets. There's still James Washington who's going to figure in there. There's still uh, James Conner catching passes, theoretically. Uh, and I think that helps me, at least in that perspective, but... I agree with you in that when you then you should never like your projection should not then be just publish the rankings, you know, because there has to be a difference between how you you would not draft, like you said, based on how you project things, because do you really want to take Mohamed Sanu? You know, he's he's probably going to be your wide receiver, you know, pretty decent just because he's going to get targets. And I'm thinking I'm even thinking more like. Atlanta Muhammad Sanu like he's going to get his numbers you're never going to want to draft that guy 
No, it's a great point. When I was with Rotowire, uh, I, I did do some, some running back projections. And first and foremost, I was way too aggressive. You're right. Like I was like, oh, once the editors told you like, no, listen, this is not what people do every year. You're just being and then you realize you got to temp that down. And you do learn things such as, say, when you're inputting quarterbacks, you're like, wow, when you run, boy, that really does help you in fantasy football. Adding little inputs there. And yes, the running backs that do get the receptions. I mean, little things there. You, it totally that does give you, a, a, you know, enlightens you in other ways. So that that is fair. That has happened to me as well. But I just want there, want there to be a distinction between proper projections and and how you would actually draft them. And, and my rankings lead toward, or pretty much 100%, how I would draft these players. I love that. And great point about scrambling quarterbacks, because like every year when I put out my if people look at my quarterback rankings on my tiers cheat sheet, they're always pissed off about where I've got guys like, like last year it was Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Like how can you have Josh Allen over Phillip rivers when Phillip rivers has done it? Blah, blah, blah. There's many years. Like the guy doesn't run. I don't care. You know, like that's just the reality because that boost is important. Anyways, I was right. They were wrong, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) So let's jump into some of your running back rankings to start. Uh, Number one is, that that there's a br- pretty big difference between the two of us. And again, just to be clear, I don't care about my rankings. J.K. Dobbins, Baltimore's running back. I think that he's a guy I'm really warming up to a lot. You have him, I think, at running back 21. Tell me what you like about the guy beyond just the fact like, hey, he's playing in the best rushing offense in the NFL. Yeah, man, the more you listen to them, they just had a first round grade on him. And you say the the best rushing offense in the NFL, but supposedly it's just a perfect fit than what he ran in the college system. And not only is it the best, but they had a thousand more rushing yards than the Niners, who were number two in the NFL. I mean, I get the quarterback rushing for a thousand helps, but that is just so much. I get that it looks like a crowded backfield, but Mark Ingram's 30, never had more than 230 carries in his career. Um, Yeah, just upside in that system. If he's a perfect fit and just, you know, a younger, more athletic version of what they have. I mean, don't get me. I mean, I was interested in the other backs they had there before Justice Hill or whatever, just because of the system. Now, if we have an actual talent, um, I mean, he didn't his last season put up was like comparable or better than Elliot. So I don't know, man. Yeah. seems like a lot of upside to me in that system. Yeah, I think the stats that you're referencing, uh, especially shows what he what a good fit he is in this offense is how much they ran from the shotgun at Ohio State and how much they run in the shotgun, obviously, in Baltimore. So I think that was a big reason that they looked about. And I think this is important to talk about for people who want to devalue the running back position. And I, I get it. Uh, I don't think the Ravens went in and said, we need to spend a second round pick on a running back. I think they went in and said, we need to spend a second round pick on this running back because of the team where we are and where we are as an offense and where our, where our running back stable is. And, and it's, I mean, I'm, I think that matters a lot, especially for a smart team like Baltimore. And it also matters there for our opinion about this player and what he might be able to do. Cause clearly the team is very excited about him as well. No, you're right. Like they said, they had a first round grade on him. And yeah, they made a point of saying this specific player. And yeah, I mean, stockpiling running backs, but if any team's going to do it, let it be them. So yeah, just love the upside there. Now I'm also looking over here at just who you like more than consensus. And I want to bring up this player uh, because I think I have him pretty high, you know, based on consensus ranking or, you know, higher than most consensus rankings too. James Conner, you have met running back 15 that's seven spots ahead of the consensus. Here's my thing about James Conner. 
Uh, and here, which seven spots, like, my God, people got him outside running back 20. Like there's same. all upside. This is the same thing as Raheem Mostert. There's all upside then baked into that cost. I just put an article out uh, this morning on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's so much to like about this team, but it's, you have to understand it's on a range of outcomes basis because, and I, I, I broke it to worst case could be worse to best case scenario. The best case scenario is Ben Roethlisberger comes back and plays close to what he used to be. I don't think you can expect him to be peak Ben Roethlisberger, but if he's like the 12th best quarterback in the league, I think that Juju, James Conner, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, like these guys are all going to have really good fantasy seasons. And here's why I'm cool with taking them just based on the best and middle case scenario. Like James Conner, they're all freaking cheap. You know, Juju's cheap this year. Deontay Johnson's cheap right now. James Washington is like, no one's even thinking about James Washington. And James Conner, like I mentioned, he's outside of the top 20 running backs. He's If he stays healthy, even if Ben is not peak Ben, he's going to way outkick that ADP. Well, under this offense, what he was doing, Ben, in, in, in 2018, it was killing it. Uh, yes, I, I read your column, and I can't wait to talk uh, Deontay Johnson with you next week. James Conner is one of the more dumbfounded ADPs for me. I remember as a top 15 back uh, just two years ago, he scored 13 touchdowns in 13 games. Uh, there's an argument that he's uh, his durability, and that's a legit argument. If that's your main argument, then fine. I can't I can't really counter that. Um, yeah. But the dude beat cancer. Supposedly, he's looking you know in great shape right now. The coaching staff has come out and said, yeah, he's our guy. We like having one guy. McFarland's you know an interesting maybe gadget player. Looks like Benny Snell's the handcuff to get, but. Um, in this system, with this offensive line, I mean, they have arguably the best roster in the NFL right now, Steelers. And if Roethlisberger's really letting it fling and his elbow's feeling better than ever, and these, these receivers and this system, they throw him the ball and he's the goal line guy. I mean, again, yeah. 13, well, he was a first round pick last year. I mean, I don't know. To me, to me, James Conner is definitely one of the more puzzling ADPs. Yeah, I think if he's, st- it's like you said, the biggest question is whether he can stay healthy or not. And there's really no counter to that. But We've seen guys be injury prone until they're not. Um, I mentioned Matthew Stafford. Uh, I mean, that's a different position, but still at the same time. Like, remember when Matthew Stafford was like the most injury prone player? And then up until this past season, he was just out there all the time. And we've seen it with running backs too. Like, there's certainly guys. Yeah, Frank Gore, perfect example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's damn, he's still playing. So, I mean, we've seen it with guys before. If, if Connor becomes the next injury prone until he wasn't guy, He's going to smash that ADP this year because I I really do think if Ben is just even a top, I don't know, top 20 quarterback, I think they're going to be an average offense and a goal line back on a, on a, on a team that's average that, and he also catches passes. This is a defensive first team, almost no matter what happens with the offense, like the game script's going to be right for a lot of rushing. Why is Aaron Jones a slam dunk way ahead of him? I mean, he used to have injury prone problems himself. I mean, that they don't throw him the ball nearly like Connor. They added the rookie back there. I'll just say this, Austin Eckler, I don't get why he's going way ahead of, of Connor. I mean, that guy, his no. number one fantasy asset was a quarterback that he's now lo- no longer tied to him. I mean, I get he's a fantastic receiver. He's bottom 10 in the aforementioned rushing DVOA last season. I mean, I get Melvin Gordon's gone, but the quarterback situation, there was such a question mark to begin with, let alone the fact that a QB that just relied on dumping off to him so much. So I don't know, can he even keep up more than 150 carries? Uh, I don't know. I, I would rather Connor than Eckler. And I know that that seems uh, very, very different than the market. 
that is very different than the market. I love Eckler. Um, I think he's a great, I think he's just like the perfect NFL back. And I just wish, I wish the quarterback situation was a little different. Uh, I don't think Tyrod's going to dump it off to, um, to Eckler nearly enough. I talked about this with Scott in a few podcasts. I think that if Eckler, because they want to be a run first team, I think with Anthony Lynn more at the controls, they want to run more. They didn't really make a significant investment in the backfield. They did draft somebody, uh, the guy at UCLA, but there's still so much potential. I think if Eckler just pushes 220 touches, I think he can be efficient enough to still work out. I'm, I'm still high on Eckler, but your point is well taken that there's so much change there. And if Roethlisberger comes back, the situation is perfect for Connor. Yeah, people love Eckler. Someone just asked me about him on Twitter. Why I, I, I appear to be the low man on him. So we'll see. He's a good player. He's a very awesome receiver. He's a great player. But to me, there's uh, it's weird where people choose which question marks to ask, which questions to ask, I guess, is what, <laughs> what I'm saying to me. Very, very fair. Yeah, you have him at running back 18, which is six spots lower than the consensus at running back 12. Let's look at some other guys that you're high on. Uh, you're... I mentioned we've talked about Antonio Gibson before and just this Washington backfield. You're actually pretty high on Darius Geis as well in terms of, I mean, consensus. You have met running back 26. I hate trying to figure out this Washington backfield to the point that I will probably just pass trying to figure it out. But uh, do, you, do you have like kind of a pull in terms of these guys? Okay, so the thinking here is this, that Peterson might be d- just done with his age, and I've, I've probably proved me wrong again, obviously Peyton Barber. Yeah. <laughs> the depth chart, Bryce Love's injury, that Peyton Barber. Depth chart's bad. I think Hos- Haskins showed some signs at the end of last year, and I'm big on McLaurin. Um, Geis, I just think, could separate himself. He looked so good when he was on the field, and just this, I went into it, I read. He's really putting into the work in the offseason, all that stuff. And, and you said some guys are always injury prone until they're not. I get it. He might be the most injury prone of all. But I just looked at this area where I put him. So I'm like, if guys did stay healthy, he would be the clear feature back. And he has the skills to be a real good player. So to me, honestly, right now, if we're picking, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i taking him over Fournette. I don't care if Fournette stays healthy. He's not even that <laughs> valuable for you each week. So I, 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 that's just weird. I get it. That's different than most people. But to me, guys could actually really help you win a league where even if everything goes well for Fournette, it's kind of like what happened last year. Exactly. And there's no – I just think there's no way they're going to feed him that kind of volume. The I remember last summer, I think, heading into the season, I remember listening to a podcast. I can remember the – I was – driving so i remember exact no i was i was my girlfriend and i didn't live together then i can remember we were walking the dog at her house and uh listening to a podcast while i was doing it. i remember the exact spot i was in listening to an interview with darius geis um and i remember him saying it's such essentially it's such bs that people think i'm injury prone because i had one acl injury i've never been injured because of this but i tore my acl as a rookie after like my third or fourth carry in a preseason game something like that it's bs and i was i remember hearing that and be like man i'm so rooting for this guy to go out there and be healthy and then it's like everything went wrong for him because like he should go out there and you know prove everybody wrong because he's never been injury prone and then he becomes like you said the most injury prone back in the nfl last season one thing i will say about you just thought about that about my guys ranking uh one thing i will say roto world roto wire they're great sources provide a lot of information but if you search yourself you really can find tidbits and beat writers and whatnot especially with twitter these days and i actually do use that more 
Um, and you got to parse what's the best shape of the life, of their life and laugh at that stuff and all that. But if you do follow the quotes and, and the people that actually are putting in the work, like that Hayden Hurst thing, driving and, and playing catch with Matt Ryan. Okay. I actually did raise, I actually did move them up my ranking, stuff like that. And you can find things that aren't necessarily reported these days, even though it seems like information, you know, is so massively widely available. That's true. But that's also means that there's so much of, of, available that a lot gets slipped, still slips through the cracks. There is an awful lot of content to consume. One guy you have pretty high. Uh, I know you're really high on Kenyon Drake. You have him at running back six. That's four spots higher than everybody else. You also have Chase Edmonds high too. Uh, I have him, you know, like buried. Uh, but this guy's running back 35 in your rankings too. I want to talk about him and I want to talk about Boston Scott, who you have right after him at running back 36. And we can wrap up the running back portion here. These two guys are interesting because I, I think you're, are you in on Miles Sanders or are you out on Miles Sanders? Very much in, but I do worry if worry if Hyde gets signed there. I mean, yeah. it's just Steve, as bad as I don't like Hyde the player. I mean, it's just, he'd be a, a factor, no, no doubt about it. So very much in on Sanders, been drafting him aggressively throughout. Um, I don't really have a defense for those backs you mentioned, uh, specifically in my ranks, other than that's a, a gigantic tier that I decided to put these huge upside backup running backs in. The Chase Edmonds, uh, Latavius Murray, Boston Scott, Madison, Daryl Henderson, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard. Um, so I basically, I just made a tier of those guys and I probably have that tier above where most people do because they're going to, they're going to get you zero weekly unless an injury. But to me, rostering those guys, I just value it a little bit higher than the Sony Michelles. Yeah. You'd rather have them on your roster in, in the event that something happens in the preseason or early into the season, they, they might be got, you know, you might be cutting Chase Edmonds and Boston Scott come week four. Um, but if if something happens to Kenyon Drake in week one, you're going to be glad you had Chase Edmonds on your roster. Oh, everyone would spend $1,000 of their fab. If if they don't bring in anyone else right now and, and Kenyon Drake went down with a 20 sale, you'd spend all your free agent budget on Edmonds and he'd be a top 10 fantasy or whatever. If you don't like, if you're not as high, he would be, you know, a top 20-ish type fantasy player moving forward. And you don't really see that in the other sports. So to me, the quickest way to avoid having to spend all that free agent fab of it is rostering these backup running backs. Yeah, totally makes sense. And I'll just say uh, my dynasty teams hope you're right about this RB45 ranking for Damian Harrison, who I buried in, you know, beyond RB70 because uh, I'm so we'll just out on Sony Michelle. And I kind of like Stidham, as we talked about. So I've like, who knows? They were even college teammates. Yeah, that narrative, too. So uh, yeah, shower narrative there. So we'll we'll see if that works. Got the shower narrative. Okay, let's go to tight ends real quick. You know, there's not too much here, but. One guy you're really high on is TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and I mentioned in your best ball draft, you have two Lions players. You went with the two cheap ones, uh, which is smart. Marvin Jones, who I think is a bore, like the boring value that no one cares about, but we know he's going to outkick his ADP if he stays healthy. But the other guy is TJ Hawkinson at tight end. You have at tight end eight. I'm not that excited about Hawkinson. Tell me why you are. Okay. One thing I will say, I'm probably least happy of all my ranking positions. The, Tight end rankings like from six to 20. I keep adjusting those. So I can't, don't hold me too much here. But I will say my main reason I have Hawkinson aggressively here with Kasiki is while there are two other guys there, Jones and, and Galladay, they don't really rush a lot of touchdowns there. And man, Stafford, the f- first half last year wasn't just good. He was like league MVP good. And now he's going to be more time in that system. So if that is really the performance of Stafford or, or anything even close to that, we're talking there's some serious stuff. So Hawkinson, you know, top 10 overall pick in the NFL draft. Good workout metrics. 
Um, I don't know, Marvin Jones, I like him actually, but he can't really stay healthy. So I don't know, a bad defense. It seems like kind of a circus and Hawkinson has the skills of what only two or three other tight ends that could match him. Yeah, I'm hoping that Hawkinson just was a product of that slow burn because obviously Detroit fell completely apart at the end when Stafford, you know, got hurt. But even before that, uh, Hawkinson went out there and smashed in week one. It was like, well, this is the league winning waiver wire pick at the hardest to predict position. And then he just kind of disappeared and it really turned out to be, oh yeah, that's right. Arizona can't stop anybody at the tight end position They're there in week one, that tie game that they had. But we'll see. I really liked Hawkinson as a prospect. And no, tight ends don't do anything as rookies, though. That's the yeah. thing. First of all, I will say the two guys, I, two guys I was really, really down on last year were Hawkinson and Sammy Watkins. Week one, I couldn't have felt dumber. But, uh, <laughs> but they really don't. Tight ends. Vindicated. Rook- so, so I think second year is a big, big difference. That position, I wouldn't judge any stats on it. So, like, I love Noah Fant, too. But the path to targets in the quarterback position there is just a little more sketchy for me. But those guys just, you look at you know, Jonu Smith, so many of these. Uh, so, But, again, don't hold me to the number eight ranking because you could talk me into Chris Herndon and all the hype there. And who knows if Evan Ingram or, or um, if Hunter Henry could stay healthy. So I really just yeah. think tight end is just so loaded with these intriguing options. And, and Hawkinson's right there as one of them. Yeah, you mentioned Fant. You have him at uh, tight end 16. That's four spots below the consensus where he is a tight end one. And you mentioned Gasicki. I think he's a guy that everybody's going to be, you know, in on. Uh, I'm in on Gasicki. He was good to end the season last year. Really? You have him at tight, you, yeah, you have him at tight end seven, which I think makes a lot of sense. He's a guy who can play the slot. I mean, did you guys see the video where he looked like he was at some beach house and he threw the ball over the damn house and then ran through the garage to go catch it? Pretty sick. Uh, that's obviously not why we have him ranked that high. But point being, I think everybody's going to be in on him as like the young breakout tight end that you have to pay up for. Love him, though. I'd, I'd pay up for him. I mean, fourth in air yards, I believe, last year. Now he's just that, that all they did in the draft was add linemen and a possible superstar quarterback, whatever. If you have Fitzpatrick, will be fine. Plenty capable if you need to go with him. I mean, I'm a big Devontae Parker guy who I believe he scored the second most fantasy points in PPR from week four on behind Michael Thomas last year. Yeah. But then it's like everyone likes Preston Williams. But he's an undrafted guy coming off a torn ACL. That's their number two. They didn't really address the position, any targets in the draft. So Gasicki, big time, ready to explode. I need to make sure I look at Preston Williams before we talk on uh, whatever the hell day, Tuesday next week. Yes, uh, but about him. back to tight ends. Uh, you also have, like you said, Dallas Goddard, Hayden Hurst, Jonu Smith, Chris Herndon at 13. Herndon, I'm I'm nervous, man, because and I, I know there's so many reasons to be excited about him. Like he was pretty good his rookie season in a in a year where, like we mentioned, tight ends often do not produce. Herndon went out there and flashed towards the end of the season, but it could not have like it could literally not have gone worse last year, obviously. He gets suspended, maybe he's in the doghouse, then he gets hurt, like you know, Liz is on this podcast, like constantly like, ah, Chris Herndon, he's great. Like he's coming back this week at never happened. Uh, your guy was like never relevant last year. Didn't he catch a pass last year for, for seven yards? I think it was, it just couldn't have gone worse. And I just don't, it, I said, I, I like Johnny Smith. I know you have these guys ranked ahead of him, but I have, I like Johnny Smith more, Hayden Hurst, Dallas Goddard. If I'm going to, Hawkinson, I agree with you that I think he's probably a better bet than Herndon is, but I understand the upside. I'm just also worried that everything has gone wrong so quickly for Herndon. And also, do I really want to invest in a 
pop probable committee tight end with with Ryan Griffin still there? I mean, uh, Ryan Griffin, come dude, on, dude, it's Adam Gase. Are you kidding me? Yeah, come on, fine, hey? like it's, yeah. it's it's Adam Gase. Uh, this guy will throw. This guy will throw the boring veteran ahead of a young talent anytime. Think about your guy Kenyon Drake constantly losing touches to Frank Gore. I said I said about Chris Herndon last year when people were drafting him aggressively, and I mean I'm like right with with the wrong process in in a in a sense. I said there is going to be some boring. 35-year-old tight end that's going to lead the Jets in receiving over Chris Herndon next year. Just bet on it because it's Adam Gase. Well, he wasn't 35 years old, but he sure was boring in Ryan Griffin. And I'm wondering if we see, even if Herndon's more productive, and I would project that, than Griffin this year, I wonder if they just eat into each other. And again, they're eating, each, eating into each other in a Jets offense. It's a total leap of faith. I hear you. I've seen, you know, he's seen a couple highlights, but I mean, that's two years ago and I'm just going a couple beat writers who cares if they, you know, expect him to blow up this year or whatever. Um, I hear you there. Um, man, though, I don't know. T- to me, Brian, you do have the Trump card with Adam Gase, but Sam Darnold, <laughs> Sam Darnold is still what? He's younger than Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. He was uh, basically a league average quarterback. If you look at the advanced stats over the second half last year after he recovered from mono. Um, and there's Perryman, Jamison Crowdle. I'm not huge on Denzel Mims, and I'm totally out on this backfield. So yeah. I could see Herndon, while you point out that, I could counter and say Herndon might be among the league, uh, the tight end leaders in target share. I could see if he really is as good as the hype suggests. Yeah, I included him in a, basically in this dynasty league straight up for Austin Hooper, and I preferred Herndon. I mean, it's a gamble. Who knows? Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm buying the hype. They're actually both. I just did a startup draft uh, with JJ Zacharyson and a few, as the league is called, Hollywood Randos. Uh, I think Rich Rebar and Matt Kelly are also in this league. And like I said, a bunch of um, randos from Hollywood. Uh, but anyways, I, I actually drafted Austin Hooper and Chris Herndon as my tight ends. And I want to talk about Hooper next. But I, I took Herndon super, super late. So at that point, it was like, cool. I mean, so I, in some way, I'm hoping that I'm dead, dead wrong here. And there is, there is like all upside, but where he's getting drafted. I was sure. going to say, whatever, don't worry about where I rank him, whatever. He's basically free in drafts, right? I mean, he's a nice target. No one, you, no leagues use two tight ends or anything. I mean, although they exactly. should include that, they made more strategy. There's so many, it's 25, 30 deep of interesting, intriguing guys, but yeah, he's free, right? So why not? Yeah. Exactly. He's free. So even all the negatives that I just mentioned, I'm, I'm arguing against Dalton's ranking of him, but that's not even close to where he's getting drafted. So really, honestly, who, who cares what I just said for the past five minutes? Uh, but let's end on Austin Hooper, who you're much, much lower on, both in terms of where I rank him, how I view him, and also the consensus. He's the consensus tight end nine. You have him at tight end 21, just one spot ahead of uh, Hall of Famer Rob Gronkowski, who I guess you're out on too. But tell me why you don't like Austin Hooper. Yeah, and couldn't wait to get rid of him on my dynasty team either. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, he was going from a terrific situation where the tight ends targeted relentlessly in the red zone with Matt Ryan, uh, no running back there, to one of the most crowded with... I'm just so down on Mayfield. I'm down on all the, the pass catchers there. He just was look, was a disaster last year and could be a major problem moving forward. But now he's sharing targets with Beckham, Landry, who actually led this team in targets, and even I'm an Njoku guy, and they drafted Harrison Bryant as like crazy metrics. Scott Barrett is like the number one tight end uh, prospect the last decade or something. Um, so yeah, seems to me like, a, oh, and Kareem Hunt. And yeah. Nick Chubb could score a lot of the touchdowns. So 
in the red zone. There's like so many check marks against for me. And just the fact that I say that I can name so many upside tight end guys, he just kind of fell down there. But let me be clear. He's a part of this gigantic tier that I, that I said are all similar. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're actually, you're having me rethink things, not in terms of like drafting him in dynasty. Cause whatever, I, I think he's, he's safe. You know, you know that he's going to get a certain amount of targets and he's probably going to do pretty well with them. But you look at the situation. I'm I'm high on the Browns to rebound because I think Mayfield showed – he's shown both ends of the spectrum. Like star as a rookie and then total terrible sophomore season, like you said. Just a total bum of a season. He was legit one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. But I'm high on Beckham to rebound. I'm high on Landry coming off of his best season. I like Hooper. I like Njoku. I like Chubb. I like Hunt. That usually leads me to like the quarterback, especially when they fixed up the offensive line, which I think really – that was Mayfield's biggest problem last year. Is not that he was just constantly under duress. It was also that he developed really bad habits, in my opinion, that just yeah. got Kitch- worse and Kitchens worse. Kitchens was a disaster. Yeah. Kitchens was a disaster too. And I like – even for tight ends too, I like the way Kevin Stefanski runs offenses. Again, yeah. I, we talked yeah. about this with Scott a few episodes ago. So, But at the same time – Great. I like all of those pieces, but I don't think the Browns are going to be the fifth best offense in the NFL. I think they can rebound and be a pretty good offense, an above average offense for sure. So I'm probably not trying to go to like the third guy in the target list. And I I do expect Hooper's ceiling to probably be right around there. And he's still, like you said, getting nipped in by Hunt, getting nipped by Njoku, Chubb, all those guys even beyond Beckham and Landry. And just remember, when you're setting your lineup for Beckham and Hooper, 25% of the time, you'll be looking at the the Steelers or the Ravens as your opponent. Really good point there, too. So, yeah, you're actually having me rethink about being a high at all on Austin Hooper. Probably, Probably a guy that, again, he's like the Matt Ryan of tight ends. They used to be teammates, obviously, but... He's going to be right there around QB nine or QB uh, or tight end nine. You know what you're going to get from it, but is that ever going to win you your league? Probably not. But a guy like TJ Hawkinson or Chris Herndon, maybe even, or uh, certainly Mike Gusecki, who may or may not be going after him by the time we're talking drafts, even Jonu Smith could end up outscoring him at a much cheaper price. So you have me rethink that too, but Dalton, I think that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Yahoo fantasy football podcast. What are you, uh, what are you working on before we're talking on Tuesday? Uh, I think I'm going to have a Nick Foles uh, column coming up and how that affects oh. uh, the, the the Bears. But um, yeah, good times. Looking forward to talk. Really, I'm looking forward to talking some receivers with you, man. Hopefully I uh, have done a lot of work between now and then. I mean, I've been doing a lot of work, but uh, still a lot more left to go uh, charting for reception perception. I'm interested on your Foles takes too, because obviously we're talking wide receivers. We're going to talk about my guy, Alan Robinson. But anyways, that's going to do it. For this week on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast, like I mentioned, we'll be talking wide receivers, quarterbacks. You don't want to miss that on next week's episode. And in the meantime, the best thing you can do is subscribe to Boxed In. There are new episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's our Yahoo Sports Debate Show. Dalton, you and I are going to be on an episode. I don't know if it's out yet or not already. I don't think it is, but we're debating Friday Night Lights characters. You're not going to want to miss that. I'm actually thinking about getting... Uh, get I've rewatched I've watched the series but I'm thinking about getting my girlfriend to watch it with me for the first time because you know it's football which I like and it's uh, cute uh, 
porny stuff, which we both like. Uh, so I'm excited Do about that. that. Yeah, no, it's legitimately. Tell her it's legitimately one of my wife's favorite shows. Like it's awesome. legitimately. So yeah. She well, if, it, if it's if it's your wife's favorite show, uh, maybe we can make it mine too. We'll see. Uh, all right, follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Deldon. We're out of here. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.